These are incredible days in which we live, wouldn't you say? <laughs> uh, we haven't seen anything like this in a number of years. And, um, and, you know, if I'm really honest with you, I'm not sure quite what to make of all of it. Um, I see things happening. And uh, how many of you have seen things this week and you just shook your head with like, well, I don't, I don't understand. Uh, I mean toilet paper, right? I just don't, I don't get it. Um, but you know what? I know this for sure. Uh, God hasn't changed. Amen. I know that God loves us, right? I know that God still wants us to deeply love one another. And we're making our way through the book of Acts as a church, and we're in the second chapter of Acts, the last paragraph. And just before I read the passage, I want to give you a little context. If you, if you were here last week, you know, if you, haven't, if you weren't here, then the first part of Acts 2 is uh, Peter's message. We have the coming of the Holy Spirit at the beginning, and then Peter comes out and preaches this message. And um, uh, 3,000 people place their faith in Jesus in response to the message that Peter preaches there. And so in the first hour of this new church's existence from the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, they have grown from 120 to a little over 3,100 people. Wouldn't you have loved to be a part of that church growth hour? <laughs> I mean, I, I sometimes think about that. I think, what if 3,000 people showed up here on a Sunday morning? Wouldn't that be exciting? Really? <laughs> yeah, it would be exciting, yes. But what would we do with them, right? You know, one thing to understand here is the, the full cultural context of, of what's going on here. Because there's Jews in town from all over, uh, really, the known world at the time. They're there because of the holiday. It's the Feast of Pentecost. And they've all come to Jerusalem. And, and, and to be honest, following Jesus Christ has not been popular amongst the Jewish population. Even to the point, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you're not a part of us anymore, and they're ostracized and basically ejected from the community. And yet, on the street that day, uh, knowing the choice that they had, either to stay connected with my heritage or believe in Jesus Christ for my salvation, 3,000 of them make the choice. I'm going to go with Christ. I'm going to go with this new community. Um, I just know that's where God is leading me. So the last paragraph of chapter 2 is a description of um, how this church, this body of Christ, these people, these new believers who have joined the 120, who were praying for the Holy Spirit, how they operated, how they functioned as a body uh, together. And so it's, uh, up to this point, we kind of see a story. This is not part of the story. This is simply the description of the church as it begins its existence here in the end of Acts 2. So let me read it. The last paragraph of Acts 2, beginning in chapter, uh, verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Probably the best description of Christian community in the Scripture. And um, I hope you understand when I say community, I don't mean Georgetown. I don't mean the village or your neighborhood. Uh, I mean the community of believers united in Christ, deeply loving one another to the glory of God. It begins by saying, uh, giving us four things, four things that these people were just compelled to be devoted to, continuously devoted to. Prayer, teaching, fellowship, and eating together. Boy, I like that, don't you? Yeah. We see how they treated one another. They shared everything, everything so that the needs were met, even if it meant uh, I had to give up something of my own, but somebody needs it, and it, it's not mine anyway. The Lord's given me everything, so I'm just going to share it. It says we see their spirit of gladness, which means exceeding joy. And they're just constantly praising God. I just can't believe I have this life. I can't believe that we're here together. I praise you, Lord, for the gift of your spirit in my life. We see their witness. They had favor. They were well thought of by people outside the church. Wouldn't that be great? People outside the church looked at the church and saw something totally different there. They, they had favor with them. And we see their impact. The Lord kept bringing more and more and more people, saving more and more people as they saw the gospel lived out in this group of people. And before I, I make my points about the power of Christian community that come from that, I just want to make this point because it is especially I think, pertinent to the situation we face as a society today. Community is hated by our enemy. He hates community. In fact, I think Satan loves the coronavirus. <laughs> I do. I mean, if, if you're him... Uh, and let's say uh, you saw the terrorist attacks of 9-11 and, uh, oh, this will get them. What, did, what was the response to 9-11? Everybody came to where? Church. What better way to keep you out of church? Let's send a virus. Let's disrupt their community. How many, I mean, how do you think is the easiest way to make someone vulnerable to attack. Isolate them. And our enemy is always trying to sow discord. He's always trying to sow division within the church because he knows how much the power of God is exhibited through the body of Christ and it shows the world that Jesus is real even in times that are difficult and crises. He wants to break the church up any way he can. He wants to fracture relationships between this Christian and that Christian. He wants us to quit meeting together. 
I think of Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So you get this picture. We're supposed to love, encourage, join together, meet together. And we're supposed to do it all the more when? As you see the day drawing near, the day meaning the coming of Christ, as things are ratcheting up towards the end of times and things are getting more critical and crises oriented, that's when you join together, you double down on your love and your encouragement and you're coming together. The worst things get around us when we see the day drawing near, the more we love. We fight this temptation to isolate and draw in. And uh, I really speak this into our current situation. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen this week, do you? Did you know what was going to happen this last week, last Sunday? No. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the day. I got a 3 o'clock conference call this afternoon with all the pastors of Williamson County to talk to the county judge to let us know what's going to happen. Because last night, the, the Austin City Council says, you, we're going to enforce a new code. We wrote a new code that if you can't meet together, if you have more than 250 people. And they made a point to make sure we knew that that was weddings and funerals and churches. You don't know what's going to happen this week, do you? Here's my encouragement to Grace Bible Church, since that's who I get to speak to every week. No matter what happens, love one another. Find a way to love one another. Use an email. Use a text. Here's something. Pick up the phone and call somebody. Amen? Call your friend and say, hey, let's go get some groceries together. That'll give you about three hours of bonding time, right? Yeah. No, seriously. If you get sick, if you know somebody is sick, let the body of Christ minister to you. Let the body of Christ know. Call us. Let us know. I really think that the enemy in trying to divide us and isolate us, is going to find out that this whole thing is serving to draw the church together and expose the love of God to the world in more profound ways. What he has meant for harm, God is going to use for good. The church is not a gathering on Sundays at a building. Amen. It just, I mean, there's, yeah, there's an expression of the church in what we're doing here today, but the church is a group of people encouraging and loving one another, and that only intensifies when the going gets tough. The scripture says that they were devoted to four things prayer, a connection with God, 
teaching, a constant feeding of the Word of God, fellowship, a oneness. It's hard for us to even understand and describe the oneness of what koinonia, the Greek word fellowship, actually means. It is so together, lives intertwined so richly together. And then it says the breaking of bread, which most likely means they took their meals together or they socially hung out together, as we would say it today. The passage says they were continually devoting themselves to these four things. And that that word translated continually devoting means to have this intense effort, this constant diligence, this passion towards this. And the implication is, I don't care what gets in the way, I am devoted to these things. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep learning from the Word. I'm going to keep hanging out with my Christian friends, and I'm going to love them richly and deeply. Nothing can stop me from it. I say amen to that. And why do we do that? Why is there such a a passion for that in in these people here in this church? It's because of the presence of the Holy Spirit that is put within them. There's something that compelling this life to just ooze out of them, to just be who they are. I don't think they got up in the morning and thought, oh, i got to pray again. I just prayed yesterday. And the apostles, they just drone on and on and on. They just can't get enough of that. And there's a lot of people around here I'm not real fond of, and I don't want to hang out with them. I don't think they had to think that way, do you? Because the Spirit of God richly inhabited their spirit and their soul that there was just this compelling expression of Christ. Community is this natural outcome of the abiding life of Christ. I just don't think you can have the abiding richness of Jesus and His Spirit living in you and say... I just love Jesus. I, oh, I'm so fond of him. And we just, I have this abiding life of Christ, but I really can't stand any of his people. <laughs> I really just don't want to have any Christian friends. I don't want to be a part of any community. You know, we say it often here, but uh, uh, there is no biblical evidence. You cannot create a case for spectator Christianity or standing on the sidelines Christianity. It, it's not in the Scripture. You, you can't find a, a, a description of what it means to be an isolated Lone Ranger Christian. It's just not there. Christians who want to isolate from themselves from the church and want nothing to do with other Christians are not living the abiding life of Christ. Knowing Jesus and living in his love has a compelling desire to share that love and build community that stands as this beacon of that love. I mean, Jesus, he prayed for us over in John 17. Look what he said. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. That they, my church, may be one, just as we, Father and, and, and Christ, are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected, which means made whole in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Man, the implication of that verse is powerful. If we're not in unity, if we're not living in love, and we're not living in community, 
the world does not know that he ever came. The world doesn't know that he loves them. As you may know, I happen to love sports. This is really a hard time for me. You know what I did yesterday? I watched a rerun of a golf tournament played a year ago. I'm having some withdrawals. Some of you are thinking, this is good for you. No, it's not. I thought about that in light of community. I thought... uh, you know, when I go to a sports game, it, the, the, the setup is kind of like this. Rows. You're looking at the back of somebody's head, right? Watching something. And, um, but there's a huge difference because when I'm sitting in my seat, I don't know anybody sitting around me. <laughs> Nor do I want to know them. <laughs> I mean, that's a terrible thing to say, right? Right? Uh, but I'm there to watch my team. I'm not there to make a friend. <laughs> Can't believe I'm saying this, but just... <laughs> Lord, forgive me. I know they need you. I, I need to... Okay. Um, invariably, I end up sitting by someone who thinks the game is a social hour. <laughs> you ever been there? He wants to talk through the game with you. High five on the scores. No, I don't want to high five you. Okay? I mean, can you imagine coming to church with the same attitude? I don't want anybody talking to me or knowing me. I just want to watch and go home. I'm here for the word, not for friends. Uh, Some people do that, you know. I don't get it. You see, the list of four things, when (laughs) it's not a pick and choose, I like these three, but not that one. I like these two, but not those two. Loving God in prayer, loving the Word through teaching, loving each other, and hanging out socially with God's people is not a list you pick and choose from. And why not? Because the Spirit of Christ in in us compels us to this. We are created as social creatures, right? We all want friends. Some of you will say, no, I don't need them. Yes, you do, right? In fact, we all long for the closeness of relationship where somebody really knows me, knows all the bad stuff, knows all my faults, knows all my failings, and I know you, and I love you. Oh, it's powerful, isn't it? I know everything you're going through. I know your weaknesses. I know where you fail. I know where you blew it. I love you. 
We long for those deep connections. And when Christ is the source and we're living, drawing upon His life that lives within us, there is this hunger for connection with other Christ bearers to share this love that we have in Him. I would also make the point that community is only possible within the body of Christ. I mean, Christian community, this selfless, uh, unconditional loving community is created by God Himself through the presence of the Holy Spirit living within us. It is this agape love that is God-given. It's not human-produced and can't be human-produced. Therefore, community, the way God intends, is only possible within the body of Christ. It's where they share everything. It's... um, I mean, can you imagine being a part of a community like that? Can you imagine where everybody just shared everything? You need it, here it is, and I love you, and boy, let's be in this together. And uh, There's great care given to the weakest, uh, those that uh, uh, have the most struggle, we're going to help them. And uh, there's also great accountability for everyone in the participation of the body of Christ here. There's nobody selfishly taking advantage of the generosity of others. Uh, I mean, just wait till chapter 5 in Acts where we see Ananias and Sapphira who tried to be a little selfish with the generosity of others and it uh, doesn't turn out too well for them. And I realize that when I say that, Christian, that community is only possible within the body of Christ, I realize how unpopular that could be in a politically correct world in which we live today. You probably know this, but I'll tell you anyway, the movement, there is a movement going on in the world to uh, unite humanity, and it is being led by religious leaders and religious organizations. And they're preaching a oneness of humanity where everybody should come together and we should reach out and extend hands of fellowship and unity with the Muslims and the Hindus and the atheists and everybody from every walk of life, and we should just... Be brothers together because we are a part of the brotherhood of humanity. We all serve the same God. We just have different expressions of it. It is more powerful than you know. And the reason I bring that up is because why? They use Acts 2, 42 through 47 as a text of the way the world ought to work. Everybody's sharing. Everybody's needs met. I'm here to tell you that's not what this passage teaches at all. It is showing the common life that Christians share together because of the righteousness that lives within them, this Holy Spirit sent by Jesus Christ that changes the person to be able to contribute and function in this kind of community. You ever heard of Karl Marx? You know, when describing his hope for humanity, uh, he would even sometimes reference, and those who follow him would reference Acts 2, He believed that the whole world could live like this without any need for even government. We could get to a place where we don't need government. 
We don't need currency. Who needs currency when we are going to share? We don't need to have any exchanges made. We trust one another, right? And we're just going to enjoy life together day after day after day. And the, the problem is that Marx believed mankind was inherently good. And if we could remove all of the influences of, a, of an evil society from you, you are going to act in kind, selfish, and benevolent ways always because you're good. He believed that, this, that all the evil would just wither away, need for government would wither away, no more need for money because we just don't need it anymore. And the whole system is built on a foundation of human goodness, which not only goes against the teaching of Scripture, no one is good, not even one, Romans 3.10, but it is just inconsistent with the facts. <laughs> when you look at human history, you go, wow, how good man is. Or do you look at brutality and wars and conflict and constant trying to gain power and control? And the only reason Acts 2 community works is because of Jesus Christ. And the change, the exchange that he has made for the selfish, evil, arrogant tendencies of sin and replaced it with the very life-giving Spirit of God. And he makes this kind of community possible. Francis Schaeffer says that the love of the body for one another is the final apologetic. Meaning it's the ultimate revelation of the gospel. It's the proof that Jesus is real. I read it in John 17. Church, be one. Be together. Unified. And when we are, the world looks and goes, wow, Jesus he really did come. Look. Our community, our love for one another is the revelation of Jesus to the world. Community, last point, is central to the mission of Christ. It says in Acts 2 that they had this, this, this group of believers had favor with all of the people. The whole community, everybody around them, there's some, they, 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 that, that church, they act a little bit different and maybe even strange, but there's something about it. I like them. <laughs> wow, look at how much joy, look how much love, look, look. They're just struck with how they care for one another and this constant devotion to God. And Others saw that and it looked so good and even attractive and I want to be a part of that. The Lord had favor on them. He blessed their community, their togetherness, the constant flow of new converts, and adding to their number daily those who are being saved because there's something, there's something there that I'm missing. I, I, want to, I want to be a part of that. That community made Jesus real to others. You know, a lot of times I read the last paragraph of Acts 2, and as a pastor, it's, just, it's a bit convicting. And, uh, because I ask myself, have we lost in the church world today the power of community? This presentation of the gospel through the love of the, of the body. And, and we've become very, very refined in how church is done today. And uh, 
I think sometimes we might ease into a trap that we think that ministry skill or beautiful buildings or professional staff or well-run programs produce good churches. Well, let me ask you. We don't know what's going to happen this week. What if this is the last service that we're going to have for a season? Right now, you're sitting in it. This is the last one. Now, I'm not announcing that or anything. I'm just saying, what if it is? What if we're required to shut down all ministries for a season? Have we lost church because we can't sit in here on a Sunday morning and look at the back of somebody's head? No. Have we lost community, our love for one another? No. I guess I would say if our, if our, if our community is built on this gathering, we never had it. And I know it's not true of us. I, I, I have seen so often over and over and over the strong presence of oneness in this body. I've seen people sacrificially give to the need of another. I've seen genuine care and love. And my encouragement to myself, to all of us, in the coming days, no matter what happens, is to raise the level of love. <laughs> Look for ways to extend, build community, so the world knows he's real. He's real. You know, maybe this past week you stood in line sometime one day at H-E-B or Costco. <laughs> Anybody stand in line at H-E-B or Costco? Or I stood in line at Randall's. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Maybe you were able to secure all of your things for the coming apocalypse, right? You know what I mean? And you hear of someone in our body who didn't, and, or maybe they just couldn't for some reason. Would you share? Of course you would, right? When I was writing that, I go, i got to dig down a little deeper. Okay, so let's, uh, let's say the stores have been closed for two weeks. And you planned and you prepared. And more than half of your stuff is gone. And your Christian friend, for whatever reason, couldn't have prepared. Would you share? I mean, who does that? Who shares when it could cost them so much personally? Most well, people who don't fit very well here in this system, in the me first and watch out for number one world. It's people who are guided by another place, an eternal home yet to come. 
I don't know if you think about these things a lot. I think about these things a lot. In my prayer life, I pray that the Lord would prepare me, detach me from anything that holds me, that has control over me. I want my life built on what is secure. What's your life built on? How much hope do you have here? How, what does it take for you to just be robbed of your joy and send you into some kind of relational hibernation? Oh, I'm just so fearful. And I don't have to tell you, so many people in the culture, so many Christians today have built their whole lives on financial security, a certain kind of lifestyle, or a relationship. Or even people have built their whole lives on some lie. And it's like this house of cards waiting for a disaster. <laughs> One calamity and it gets wiped out. I remember Jesus talking about this. You remember that? He gets to the end of the Sermon on the Mount and over in Matthew 7. And he really says there's really two kinds of people. There are people who have their house all built and it, you look at it and you go, man, that's a nice house. That looks like a normal house. It looks good. But there's one problem. What? It's built on sand. And right next to it, there's another house. It looks a lot the same. It's just all put together. It's just really nice. But it's built on rock. And as long as everything is what? Peaceful, no calamities, no viruses. I just threw that in there, but you know what I'm talking about. As long as none of that's happening, what? The houses just look... Oh, but let a storm come. Let the rain begin to fall. Let the winds begin to blow. And the house that has been built on this worldly foundation of financial security, of... Uh, a particular relationship, a particular lifestyle, even a lie, all that comes crashing down. And so the, 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 the message Jesus wants us to know is there's, there's nothing in this world worth building your house on. Just... Know that it is me and my life in you that is the source from which you operate. And so the winds, let them blow. Rains, let them come. I'm not counting on here to take care of me. I want you to bow your heads with me. Father, do we do live in, a, in an age of uncertainty, and uh, 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 we live in a time of uncertainty this week, next week, and, uh, and yet we need instruction from your word today, Father. Your word is this rudder that keeps us centered, keeps us from going off onto some false belief. And Father, I pray that you would continue to strengthen your church, even in the midst of crisis, 
And we really don't know what the future holds. And we really don't know how bad it gets. And we really don't know how restrictive our lives become. We just don't know those things, Father God. And so I'm praying before we leave this place today that uh, each of us knows as we walk out of this place that we walk as free people living lives built on a foundation of a life that lives within us. We don't need the accolades from the world. We don't need the wealth of the world. We don't need the power of the world. For we stand forgiven in Christ and the old us has been exchanged for the Spirit of God who is our foundation this day. We don't ask for storms and we don't ask for wind and rain and uh, but Lord your word is pretty clear that they will come. And so Father we we recognize that. We affirm that. But we know Father God that in you in you we have nothing to fear. So we proclaim our faith in you today and um, as we sing this song Father God we want it to just be a testimony of our praise, a testimony of our commitment, our desire to walk in this powerful source of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. May you be lifted and glorified in the church these days. In the name of Christ, amen. Let's stand together.